This is Texas Soccer Radio. Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Esto es Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Got a tweet a little more, um, you know, tweeting things as we go live. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> my name is Kyle Makey. This is Texas Soccer Radio. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and host, Larry Leathers. Um, we are going to talk a little bit of San Antonio FC, a little bit of Open Cup, um, a little bit of Austin news, and then uh, some USL news, a little rebrand this week uh for the year ahead so that's exciting um larry how you doing tonight man what's what's on your mind i'm doing good fantasy football is treating me well right now i know you're not having a great night because we are playing each other in our league this week and i've got a bunch of rams going off against you tonight yeah as is tradition i just get my ass kicked in fantasy football Keep coming back. You can't keep me away from a good ass kicking, apparently. Um, but, uh, you know, life goes on. We good. Um, thank you to the Beautiful Game Network for uh, helping us do what we do. Um, you can check out our BGN site if you go to TexasSoccerRadio.com. Um, and then uh, thank you also to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. You can get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com, R-U-F-F-neckscarves.com. Yeah, this is not a sponsored post, but if you're watching the stream, I got this amazing koozie this weekend that fits over a pint glass. (laughs) I've never seen these before. Uh, It's from a place in uh, Wimberley, Texas called the Shady Llama, and it's like a big open bar and uh the reason it's called the shady llama is because there's five llamas that just wander around and uh you know you drink beer you see some llamas you have a good time so um that was my zen spot to recover from uh the just massacre that was the san antonio fc game uh from last week is how i'm gonna transition to that doesn't sound like a bad place to recover to be honest yeah i need to make my way out to to that direction of the up to new Braunfels and go uh see that place for myself yeah. take me back um yeah so san antonio fc um probably out of the playoffs um with that loss to st louis in st louis another two nil loss um i say massacre but in all reality um they stuck with them for almost 80 minutes. Um, you know, at least on the scoreboard, um, they were stopping them when it counted and they got a couple chances in there. So I wouldn't say a massacre. I shouldn't have said that that was being dramatic, but, um, what did you think about this game and how do you feel about where the club is at at this point? Well, it certainly wasn't a pretty game besides saying they stuck with them for, you know, the better part of 80 minutes. Um, St. Louis didn't seem to have any problems penetrating into our box and getting decent scoring opportunities. Um, they were that that was the biggest issue to me is they were easily getting in close and getting good scoring opportunities in this game. Um, the defense was struggling, but maintaining up till the 80th minute, but still struggling nonetheless. Um, as far as where we stand right now, well, we're on the brink of being eliminated from playoff contention. Um, we absolutely positively need to win the next three games, which are all home games and winnable games at that. Um, they're all against teams that have already been eliminated. So <laughs> we are the last team on the brink of elimination here. Like we are literally the only team that hasn't been eliminated in the ninth spot right now. Um, So in the big scheme of things, we have a chance. It's just not great because St. Louis is – not only did we lose to them this last week, um, they are also the team that's sitting ahead of us in the eighth spot, and they are six points ahead of us right now. Yeah, God, that's brutal, man. Um, Yeah, if anyone hasn't taken a look at the Western Conference standings recently, um, the top five teams have all clinched a spot in the playoffs – 
and the bottom seven teams have all been eliminated. <clears throat> so that leaves four teams that are vying for three spots. Uh, in order right now, we've got Swill Park Rangers with 50 points, Reno with 49, St. Louis with 49, and San Antonio with 43. Um, that's going to be a really, really tough task to overtake one of these teams, especially losing to one of them. That's, you know, that six-point swing that you never want to see happen. Um, and it was worst-case scenario for San Antonio in St. Louis. Um the most frustrating thing is that we thought that this team was so defensively strong coming into the season. And, and we talked about how much depth there was at center back and how crazy it was that, you know, how are any of these guys going to get any playing time? Um, and that has been far and away the weakest spot on the field. And it showed again in St. Louis, the first goal you have both of your center backs pulled way the hell out. Mikey Lopez is the only, basically the only player in a central defensive position, um, you know, ahead of the ball. And, um, you know, what was he going to do there? And what yeah. was Matt Cardone going to do against an open shot from the top of the 18? Um, I don't know if that's a communication issue. I don't know if that's a tactical issue. I don't know how to fix that um, or if, you know, players just aren't listening to the instructions or, or what, but um, it's frustrating to see the ship go down this season on the defensive end, because really the attacking side hasn't been that bad as a whole. I feel like it's been pretty average. I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but I feel like they're, they gotta be pretty close to average if not above. Yeah, I mean, the, the defense has been the issue for the most part. I mean, especially with Lance Lang coming in here at midseason, um, he's made a world of difference for this team and really shored up our offense and our attack. Um, but for all of the talent that we saw coming into the season on the defensive side of the ball, um, we never really seemed to find the pairings and we never really seemed to find what worked best for them back there. And that continues to be a problem to this day. I know I've said it the last few episodes, but we are a Jekyll and Hyde team every single week, and you just never know what you're going to get rolled out. Um, despite the fact that we're seeing some consistency right now, too, we're seeing the same group of players rolled out week after week, but you still never seem to know what you're going to get out of them, which is a big issue. We really need to find that, that solid ground if we're going to make any sort of push here in the last few games. And, I mean, if you ask me right now what's going to happen, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if we're going to walk out of here with nine points in the next three games or none. All depends on what team decides to show up week to week. Well, it's so funny that we used to complain about the draws and getting one point out of game over and over. Um, but now this season, this has to be, you know, a streak of some kind, a, a record streak of some kind where they haven't had a draw in a game since July 4th. Yeah, um, it's... It, it really makes it very volatile for the fan base. A few um, draws in there would make all the difference in the world at this point. Unfortunately, that's yeah. that's the big problem here. Talking about the center backs, uh, Harry jumps in on Periscope chat. Felix injured, Christian released. Wonder why? Um, obviously, Felix being injured was you know an issue, but he wasn't. They weren't playing that solid even when he was healthy. Um, and with Christian being released, I think that kind of showed where, um, you know, the, the staff and the front office felt his skill level was or his ability to play the system was, um, unless Christian just really wanted out. But I don't know why any club would be in the business of just releasing players that don't want to be there anymore. Um, but I don't know, and it's, it's frustrating, but I don't think either one of those guys was the answer, unfortunately. <laughs> I I think a healthy McCarthy and, uh, you know, a, a Sebastian Biaga that didn't leave two months before the first match or a month and a half before the first match. Um, I think that would have helped a lot. It's interesting to sit and think what this team would have been with Ibiaga in the back for this season. Um, Cause I really do think it would have been a completely different team and we wouldn't have been searching so hard to find those center back pairings um, and that whole defensive line would have been short up as a whole, not just from his playing, but from his direction. Um, yeah. Cause let's be honest, he was very vocal back there on the back line and made sure everybody was doing their jobs all the time. Um, and it's, 
it's very apparent the hole that he left on this team. I'm super happy yeah. for him to get the call up to NYCFC and yeah, get, get that opportunity to play because that's the ultimate goal for all these guys, I think, is, you know, to make that jump if possible um, or finish out their careers at the USL level if that's where they're headed. But um, everybody wants to play at the top tier teams. So I can't fault him for moving up and I'm happy for where he's gotten. I just hate the hole that's left in this team. Well, that's the hard part, right? You want to uh, cheer the individual player's success and you want them to be able to play at whatever level they want to play at. Um, but at the end of the day, it left a huge hole in the team. And if they had him under contract, I don't know what they got back for him or, or you know, I don't know what – I wish we knew. I wish that there was more transparency. Well, I mean, what, what was it said? It was, it was monetary compensation of some sort. It really can't it be anything be, more yeah. than that between the teams at this point. So um, we know they sent Mikey down, but it wasn't really sending Mikey down. It was more of a go sign with San Antonio and figure it out. Like, well, That's how it's we're going to keep an eye on you. And this is, this is how your road is to get back up to us, much like the road Ibiaga's taking right now. Sign with San Antonio and we'll be in touch. And that's definitely how it seemed like uh, it, it, he was released from NYC and San Antonio picked him up. And whether that's, you know, a, a path back to New York or just being closer to his hometown or whatever, um, it worked out for San Antonio because he's been one of the consistent spots on the field. Um, not always, but, you know, uh, but yeah, that that was not a one for one deal as far as we know. But again, there's no. No transparency. So what are we going to do? <laughs> One of the um, most frustrating things, especially about dealing with the Spurs organization is anytime it comes to contract yeah. discussions. And USL as a whole, like there's not a lot of accountability because there's no players union and there's no large body to take care of it. Like we, it's really, really fucking difficult to cover the USL and they don't make it any easier um, with some of the different, team policies and stuff not specifically san antonio but just in general yeah um getting rosters updated or getting information about certain players and it's <laughs> just fucking pronunciation guides <laughs> like, oh god don't go down that road it's very difficult to cover lower league soccer and uh, we don't there's a lot of people that do it better than i do um same same here <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's um, a lot of people that do a great job yeah Anyway, getting off that self-indulgent tangent, sorry. I'm, I'm not saying that we're amazing at it. I'm saying, like, I wish we knew. That, that's my point. Agreed. Um, we had a, a question come in from a friend of the show, Michael Hughes, on uh, Twitter. He asked, did the optimism at Camp Texas Soccer Radio last too long as far as the San Antonio FC season? Um, it seems to me that some listeners had the measure of the season early on, but legitimate concerns were too often waived as unnecessary panic. Um, so we wanted to talk about this, and it's something that Larry and I talked about um, off the air quite a bit as well, um, because it it is something that we need to consider. Um, so I, the the optimism from this show for me individually anyway and larry i don't want to speak for you but i feel like we're on the same page that um it's such a long season <laughs> and the the points in the middle of the table to the top of the table generally aren't that far apart um so there's really nothing to worry about until about the middle of the season usually um and uh unfortunately after that we basically didn't have any shows in august uh, i think we had one short show in august and our schedule's been all messed up and we haven't really talked about it much but um we talked about it a lot off the air where uh we started worrying about this team right about mid-season kind of like we said people should so um that was our fault for not communicating that very well <laughs> and i definitely don't want people to feel like we're not listening or that we know better or anything like that because um, we're all guessing but I don't know I feel like our optimism kind of wavered at, at the halfway point ish what about you I think that and that's the kind of the stance we took the entire time um, there were plenty of people that were ready to slam the panic button five games into the season were four games into the season with 30 games left to play 25 games left to play yeah um, like you said the table is typically very very close and let's look at 
how close it is right now. Like there's, it's, it's, it's a very tight table going into this final playoff push in the big scheme of things. Um, the other big thing to remember is we said, you know, let's, let's start looking at the panic button around midseason. And we got to that midway point, And what did we do? We went on a four game winning streak and things seemed fine and dandy. Like we'd finally figured it out only to then go into a four game losing streak followed by a three game winning streak followed by a three game losing it's back and forth i didn't like it's it definitely as the season got closer and closer it was almost every few weeks you were going back and forth about how you thought things were going um especially with how tight the table has been um when you're going on a four game winning streak you know you everything's great things look good it looks like we're finally heading in the right direction and go on the four game losing streak and jesus we're in trouble now and then just (laughs) right back to the winning thing again afterwards i I don't think we were too late. I don't think we waited too long on the panic. I think the midseason is truly the place where you need to start looking at things in that regard, unless you've literally just been losing out every game up until that point. Then, yeah, yeah, you've got a, you've got a big concern. You're going to have a, have a big mountain to climb to get yourself anywhere near playoff contention. Um, Look at how many teams are eliminated with, three or four games left in the season for some of these teams. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I understand people, people's concern with us and our take and us wanting to wait. I just, I want to give this team as much time as it needs, not as much time, but at least a, a healthy amount of time to get where it needs to go. It, it unfortunately it doesn't seem like it's going to pan off pan out this season right now. That's, that's the shitty thing here. And the other thing, too, is that a lot of times players come in later in the season when they, you know, some players realize they're not going to get contracts in non-North American leagues or non-U.S. leagues where, you know, they're not going to be playing somewhere else fall to winter. So they'll jump over into USL and finish out the summer season here and all that. So the team can change shape pretty dramatically throughout the season. So um, it really wasn't until... I would say probably for me, just looking through the schedule here, that three to two loss to Seattle on August 11th, um, ironically enough, that road trip, that Northwest road trip where they lost to Seattle and Portland and then got demolished at Phoenix. um, Those were, that was the week and a half ish where I started going, uh oh. (laughs) <laughs> that that was that four game losing streak right after the the big win streak there yeah. like that that was the time that i think it really became truly slammed the button it's panic time yeah because at that point you're starting to see what the issue was which was defense like all the games or all the matches before that um you know salt lake city scored two goals in a match orange county scored three uh reno scored two twice but like other than that, they're all giving up one goal, giving up zero goals throughout the rest of the, the schedule there. So like yeah. you didn't really see the defensive problems showing up until kind of that early August road trip. And, and that was, that was game over. Um, we have a couple quit quitter, <laughs> a couple Twitter questions, man, quitter kind of works though. <laughs> um from our friend aaron potty mouth on twitter at aaron room 58 uh honestly given everything are we in the playoffs any type of run if not i'm still with pal y'all um and i don't know do you want to take this one first what, what are your thoughts i stand by what i've been saying the last few weeks it all depends on what side of, what team shows up week to week we are Jekyll and Hyde and I don't even want to try to guess if we're going to be in or not because we could just we could easily get nine points and find our way in or we could easily score zero in the next three games and be way way out so yeah I I don't know where to take a guess on that one I think it's just flipping a coin 50 50 at this point um as far as Powell and his place with this team going further forward um I think right now I'm willing to stick it out another season and see what he can do. Um, he's done a good job of, of running this team and bringing talent into this team. And I'd really like to give him one more year to see what he can build. 
hopefully some more consistency and some more of these players stick around in the next season. Um, Cause really we did have quite a bit of turnover going into this year, but I don't know. I think he's, I think he's getting close to the hot seat. Yeah. It, it's coming. It's coming soon. I, uh, I'm sorry to, you know, rain on the parade for everyone. Um, but San Antonio FC would have to win out and hope that one of the other three teams drops some points, um, basically. Uh, so I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think it's kind of kind of out of reach at this point. Um, I'm happy to be proven wrong. I hope I'm proven wrong. Uh, but sitting at 43 points with the other teams having 49 and 50, um, with the same, if not more, matches to play in two of those cases. Um, I don't see how they do it, and it sucks uh, because there's a lot of talent on this team, and it's it's disappointing that this is how it's kind of looking like it's going to end for this year. Um, as far as Powell, um, I, I I don't see why you would get rid of a manager who came in second in the Western Conference last year. Um, I, I know that obviously Sebastian Biaga being on the team and Diego Restrepo having a good season uh, helped that, but it wasn't all them by any means. And so I think as frustrating as this season has been, um, the team has come in ninth place two out of his three years and second in the Western Conference regular season <laughs> Uh, in the other one so <clears throat> I just I don't see I don't see getting rid of him uh, especially you know I, I'd be surprised personally but uh, and I need to check this it's gonna take some time to check because again it's fucking hard to cover the USL um, but I'm pretty sure he's the longest tenured coach in the Western Conference at this point um, I don't think there's a single coach that has been a head coach of the team for longer than he has, if I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken on that. I need to double check, but it sounds right. <clears throat> so let, let me it confidently. It sounds right, right? <laughs> let me phrase the question to you. Do you think that Powell? Granted, we haven't won any championships yet, but do you think that Powell is going to get the Popovich treatment from the Spurs organization? And that he is the long-term solution for this team and that, you know, they're going to give him all the time he needs to make things work. Cause really, you know, like pop, it, it take a whole pop doing a whole lot wrong to get in any sort of bad sorts with the Spurs organization. <laughs> and I could, it, even though I personally think that he's probably going to get on the hot seat here, if he has another big losing season next year, um, I could also on the flip side, see Spurs sports entertainment saying, Nope, we're riding this out with him. He's our man. Well, the thing is, like, you say big losing season, but it really hasn't. Like, as far as bad seasons go, 2016 and this year, they've still just missed the playoffs. I, I'm um, ex I, would, I would mean in a significantly worse season gotcha. next year. Like, yeah. it'd have to be a big downgrade next year. Um, I, I think with his role, um, because if I'm not mistaken, he's also the technical director. Um, so with his role and his background, uh, with the Orlando, um, was it the youth sides or the, the under 23? I can't remember, but, uh, he's worked with young players and he's worked around academies and he's got a lot of experience there. And, um, with MLS looking like a longer term project than SSNE probably anticipated, I don't see why they would get rid of him over the top teams finishing mid-table. Um, I think there's a lot of other responsibilities there that he's doing well at uh, and that his staff is doing well with. And so I would be surprised to see that happen. Um, that doesn't mean that he parts ways, like there that he wouldn't part ways, like if he got another opportunity or, you know. Uh, he and Tim Holt came here at a time where it looked like San Antonio was a layup for MLS and obviously a lot's changed since then. So uh, I, I don't know that anyone could blame either of them for taking other opportunities at this point. Cause I don't think it's the job that they signed up for. That's a valid point. A very valid point. Um, while we're talking about this really quick, before we keep moving here off of Aaron's question, 
asking about us being in the playoffs. And I was, I was sitting here running numbers while we were talking about this and looking at the standings and it's, it's going to be so tight. Like I can also it look at, we're looking at the numbers and looking at the schedule and, and the schedules for St. Louis and Reno as well. Um, there's a very real possibility that if we show up the next three games, get our nine points, um, that we end up in a three-way tie with those three teams, with, with St. Louis, Reno, and us. And yeah. at this point, we would lose on the goal differential. Yeah. Um, but really the next, for this, this end of the season here, Reno's got the tougher, tougher schedule here. They've got to play Tulsa, Portland, Phoenix, and Orange County. Um, that Portland, Phoenix, Orange County stint's going to be rough, especially because they play Portland and Phoenix the same week. Um, so you got, we're going to be, have to be Phoenix fans because St. Louis, <laughs> St. Louis also plays Phoenix there you go. this weekend too. So to Sam Dower gets some, uh, Phoenix gear for those nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But seriously, we, we are going to be relying on Phoenix to get some wins here and some definitive wins. Um, not just for the, to drop the points for those other guys, but to also help with that goal differential. Yeah, which is negative seven, by the way, yeah. uh, for anyone who wasn't looking at the table. <laughs> um, it's negative seven for San Antonio FC. And then going up the table, St. Louis is positive seven, Reno's positive 12, and Swope's negative three. So, um, you know, first tiebreaker, I believe, is wins and then goal differential. Um, I'm pretty sure they changed it to wins, but regardless. Wins is close, too, because they both have 13 and we have 12. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be real tight going here into the end, especially if San Antonio can make that nine-point run over the next three games. Harry says that he thinks the uh, switchbacks coach uh, is the longest streak, who started in 2015. Um, and then he said, you're right, other than that, Powell is the longest. And Sam confirms, win are the first tiebreaker, then goal differential. Uh, or he said, wins are the first tiebreaker. But then the second one, I'm pretty sure, is goal differential. and. So that's, it's going to be an issue. Again, I'd love to be proven wrong, but I just don't see a way for San Antonio to realistically make the playoffs and that sucks, but there are still three home games and it's, uh, it's always a fun time out there at Toyota field. So, um, you know, hopefully we can at least have a fun into the season, regardless of the results. I hope so. Um, anything else on San Antonio FC before we move on to some of this other stuff? Uh, nope. Games this Saturday, 730 against uh, Seattle, Seattle Sounders too. So hopefully we'll see you guys out there this weekend. Um, I wanted to shout this out earlier in the show, but we kind of got on a rant there. Um, the MLS in Austin supporters group, the non pre-court owned, the completely independent supporters group um, that we've had on the show here. They uh, revealed that their new name is going to be Austin Anthem. And you can follow them on Twitter at Austin Anthem. Um, and they are having an event Saturday afternoon from four to six um, at uh, Jack and Ginger's in Austin. And they're going to have Austin FC gear and a logo reveal, drink specials, all that stuff. So um, if you're in the Austin area, you feel like checking them out, I'm going to do my best. <laughs> my plan currently is to go to that, um, or at least most of that, and then drive down for the San Antonio FC game immediately after. So I'm um, going to put the miles in <laughs> on Saturday <laughs> unless something changes. So what time uh, is that thing at? From four to six. Mm. So I'm probably not going to be able to stay all the way till the end, but you know, we still dip in and hopefully get to see the, the reveal and all that stuff. You know who else, who's off work this Saturday, right? Hey, let's do it. Do you want to do Road it? podcast? We might be doing that. <laughs> I've got unlimited data. Let's do it. <laughs> um, on the topic though, of the Austin Anthem, I will say that as out of the, th now this is the third thing we've had branded for Austin in soccer. Um, <laughs> This is the best branding of the three so far, by far, um, with their, what, sing the, sing the Song of the City, I think is the tagline for it, right? I know Josh Jackson's popping in here. The Song um, of Our City. Sing yes. the Song of Our City. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. I think it's a, it's a good name for the supporters group, and it, it ties in a little bit more to the music background of Austin as a city. So I like yeah. it. I like it. 
Yeah, I've always really enjoyed names that have to do with the city. And most supporters groups are good at that with, you know, Crocketeers and 210 Alliance, Mission City. That's all all San Antonio stuff. And Austin Anthem now is is pretty awesome. So um, it's it's not exactly a deep dive to figure out what an anthem would have to do with the city of Austin. <laughs> um, live music capital of the world there. So. Yeah, I, I'm really happy for them. I'm really happy for that group. Um, bunch of good guys and, and friend of the podcast and all that. So um, if you are crazy like us, <laughs> maybe you'll be able to do both on Saturday. That's the goal anyway. Um, the other, and, and apologies, I wanted to get that in earlier. Man, I ranted on San Antonio. Sorry. And on USL, why the fuck am I talking about USL coverage? Nobody cares about that. <laughs> um, that's part of why I haven't written anything for fucking six months here. But um, Houston wins US Open Cup final. Speaking of difficult to cover games. Um, oh, before that, Josh on uh, Periscope says the new New Mexico supporters group is pretty awesome. We talked about that last week. The we curse. The, the curse, the, the turquoise, and oh, it's so good. I love it. Great name, great it. crest. Uh, anything to do with the city, man. I love that 210 Alliance picked the like Fiesta colors for their stuff, for a lot of their stuff. Um, uh, yeah, you, if it has to do with the city, fucking – Go go 100%. Sorry, I don't know why I'm cursing so much. I'm angry. I'm <laughs> stressed about this playoff run and fantasy football and and everything. <sighs> um, Houston wins the U.S. Open Cup final. Uh, in the notes, full disclosure, it says Houston wins U.S. Open Cup final. Do we care? Question mark. And that's kind of where I want to start. I, I have no desire to break down this game because no. uh, if you care – you watched it and if you didn't watch it you probably don't care enough to hear us break it down uh, but it was a 3-0 victory <laughs> yeah. for houston in houston over philadelphia philadelphia union to not a big crowd at all it didn't seem like many people cared about this game um but it's tough to care about it when it's in the middle of the week and it's it's difficult when it's on what a wednesday night yeah um we got we got a question asking about uh was it where did it go taylor twelman's stuff yeah i lost it <laughs> no okay. worries um yeah taylor twelman had a good rant on espn as he's prone to do um well i lost it too went to step in our notification i found yeah. it you got it you go ahead go ahead <laughs> uh maximiliano writes in what did you think of taylor twelman's open cup comments about lower level teams hosting would love to see MLS teams enter the tournament earlier. MLS should allow the final to be played on a weekend. So short answer is I agree with all of that. <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, one of the things that Taylor Twelman said, uh, he had two suggestions. One of them was to up the purse to make it more financially prudent for teams to win and try hard and all that stuff. Um, Harry on, on Periscope says it's big for them to get in the Champions League for CONCACAF, the CONCACAF Champions League. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but um, Taylor Twelman said, raise the purse, uh, the, the prize money. And then his second one was that lower level teams should host all the way up to the quarterfinals. Um, so if Des Moines Menace was playing San Antonio FC, they would, Des Moines would host. And or actually, yeah, anyway. Um, I, I like both of those suggestions because then you're you're giving the ticket money and a lot of the revenue to those lower division teams as long as they can freaking stream it, which it's 2018. They should be able to get someone out there with their phone and just put it on Twitter or something. I mean, we do that. So, yeah, know, surely a team could do that. Um, I'm just kidding. Larry works really hard on this to make it look good. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i don't know what do you think about that about lower division teams hosting the higher opponent no matter what through the quarterfinals so i think it's tough because you talk about having the purse being upped um i think the big question with that is where's the money coming from so because with these lower division teams right now is one of the big hurdles for them is the entry fee um because they do have to pay to enter so if you're going to funnel all these 
funnel all these games to those lower, lower division teams and help with the ticket sales and everything, then I get it. You know, that, that helps with them pay their, their entry fee into the league too. Um, I, I, I'm just concerned about, I like the ideas. I'm just concerned about where some of that money is going to come from in regards to the purse. But I like the idea of shuttling, you know, the higher team down to the lower, lower divisions um, home for the games. I like that. Um, I'd love to see MLS teams enter the tourney sooner. That'd be great. Um, It'd be great to see some of those lower division teams get a shot at a uh, MLS team. Um, and then the final thing is MLS should let the final be on a weekend. I get it. I get it. And I hate that the thing, game is on a Wednesday. But on the flip side, we are in the middle of football season. And realistically, putting a U.S. Open Cup championship game, even though it's the championship game, up against primetime college football on a Saturday – or primetime NFL football on a Sunday is super unrealistic. And where would the coverage come from? Because you're not going to see ESPN, you know, give up airtime on the main channel for the Open Cup Championship when they've got college football or, you know, NFL football to cover. Because that brings in way more more viewers and money into those ESPN than – U.S. Open Cup championship coverage. I don't know where the middle ground is. Maybe a Friday night instead, um, closer to a weekend, closer to maybe getting some people in there that are off work and aren't trying to make the trek. I don't know. It's it's tough. It's tough to try and find the right schedule for it. I'd love it if it could be on a weekend. I just don't think it's feasible with college sports and professional football going on. Yeah, I don't – there's a lot that, that can be improved with it. Um, I like everything that's been said. I fully agree with, um, you know, the, the lower division teams hosting. And um, I think the biggest thing would be having the MLS teams come in earlier um, because right now it's always like, it's always an MLS team that wins it. And it has been for, it'll be 20 years next year. Um, And that's a problem. <laughs> like it's really hard to care about the U S open cup, uh, for most fans, uh, let alone people who don't follow any of these teams. Um, right. I, I think I was just Googling cause I, I couldn't remember who it was, but man United lost to uh, Derby in their league cup, um, or in the, the Carabao cup rather. Uh, so like you have, these huge teams that can lose to anybody on a given day. And like, that's part of the fun of sports. (laughs) That's why, you know, the, the basketball tournament March madness is so popular is, you know, the upsets and the bracket busters and all that. And um, I think the biggest thing that we haven't talked about with the U S open cup is they need to move it to where the final is before NFL and college football season. Because that would remedy my thing that, that would fix it espn and uh, espn has the rights, so we'll just talk about espn espn is dying for content in the summer um and that's part of why they have invested so heavily in mls is they're trying to get a summer sport that people care about um so if you could get that uh u.s open cup final in july in late july before training camp start and before college football kicks off and all of that um, I, I think you're going to get a lot more marketing push from the network and they're going to actually care, <laughs> you know? Um, I haven't seen that thrown out there very often, if at all. So I think that's the biggest thing is just moving um, moving that final earlier in the summer. Anyway. And that's, I mean, that's going to be, it's, it shouldn't be too difficult. I mean, they've got to move it back a month and a half. A month and there's a big dead spot in between yeah the the semifinals and the finals so they should be able to move it up some it's just it's tough it's still tough i want to see it happen but it's a it's tough to do um so the last thing on that real quick was the concacaf champions league the winner of the open cup gets a berth into the concacaf champions league um so houston will be in that next year and uh 
it's kind of the same same problem. Like, how much do we care about the CONCACAF Champions League? Um, because the the problem with that is that Mexican teams, um, the the Liga MX teams, just have so much more money than MLS teams, especially Houston. Like, Houston's gonna get fucking steamrolled in the CONCACAF Champions League, if not by Mexico, then probably by a smaller country than the United States, even. Um, sorry to Houston fans, but you know how much your front office spends on players, and that ain't it. Um, Geographically, it was probably the best team to win outside of San Antonio um, <laughs> for attendance reasons, because there's going to be people that come up for that game to see yeah. their team here against Houston. Um, the problem is, is that that stadium probably won't have very many Houston fans in it. Um, <laughs> I mean, that team can't even get a jersey sponsor, let alone people in the gates. So, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be those San Antonio friendlies against uh, the Mexican League teams. <laughs> you know, the whole stadium's green. And you're like, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't care about Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League, unfortunately, because it's so one-sided. Until an American team or a, a Canadian team wins it, I just have a hard time caring. And that's nothing against the Mexican League teams. It's just like... It's kind of like uh, why I don't really care that much about Spanish uh, football. It's like it's always going to be Real Madrid or Barcelona. And like, I'll just wait till the end. See, you know, it's always just an ass kicking. That's the problem is it's the same teams delivering the ass kicking over and over and over. Anyway, um, last thing on our docket tonight is the USL rebrand. Huge rebrand for the league. Um, it was, was announced it? this week. Was it is the question. Uh, it was announced this week that uh, the entire, all of the, the properties that are owned by USL would be rebranded into a more unified structure. Um, so USL, as we know it, the league that San Antonio FC play in, uh, will starting in 2019, be known as the USL Championship. Uh, USL D3, which starts in 2019, will be USL League 1, and the current PDL will be USL League 2. And there's really cheesy descriptions of the new logos and uh, how white is opportunity and how black is dramatic and all of the implications that are there that I'm not going to go into because uh, we don't have that much time left. Um, but what do you think about these names? Championship, League One, League Two. I don't think it changed anything. It was it, it was just a rebrand. It wasn't a restructuring. It wasn't anything exciting. We didn't get three conferences. We didn't get any of that. It's <laughs> what what did this change? It didn't change anything. It just changed the name of what our, what the league we currently play in. Now we're not in the USL. Now we're in the USL Champions League Championship, <laughs> and D three is League One, right? Yeah. Like that's 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 all it is. I don't know. I just I've, I'm not excited about it because it really didn't change anything effectively other than there's going to be an interleague cup now so we're going to have more games on the docket (laughs) on top of u.s open cup and friendlies and our regular season schedule where we're going to be playing teams in other leagues league one and league two I'm actually on board with that. Um, That was from an ESPN article. Jake Edwards said that starting in 2020, there would be a league cup between the championship and league one. Um, I'm on board with that, to be honest with you. Anything to give more meaningful competition that um, a USL team can actually win, (laughs) not the US Open Cup. Um, I'm on board with, and I'm, I'm good with that. That could be fun, but... I think they need to cut down on the number of uh, number of games on the schedule for each team because 34 games plus a league cup plus the open cup, that's too much. But uh, anyway. Um, it's a lot. No, you're, you're totally right. Like the cup is, it's cool. It's a cool idea. And I, I think it's going to be cool going forward. It's just, that's a lot of games. I'm hoping the delay to 2020 is related to like getting three conferences or getting some teams out of the league to, to narrow it down to, 
maybe 28 or 30 matches instead of 34. Cause that's, that's crazy, man. That would help. Um, the names bother me. I'm going to be honest with you. I know in England it's, uh, you know, the championship and I, I know league one, league two, all that, but like, it, I don't understand who this was for because if you're a soccer fan and you understand that the championship is the name of the league, then you think they're just copying England. And if you're not already a fan of soccer as a whole, then you get confused. Like I told a couple people just as, as feelers here, people that I know don't pay attention to European football. Um, so San Antonio FC is going to play in the USL championship next year. And they're like, how do they know already? Don't they have playoffs? Don't oh, God. Like, yeah, exactly. So, like, <laughs> you're just confusing people or copying. And neither one of those is a good option. <laughs> um, and the other thing, the other problem I had is that it positions the championship as the top league of football in North America. And it's like, really? what's mls then like do we need to start calling mls the premier major league soccer uh, like well is that is that what this is is this a is this a run at potentially down the road us shooting for you know the usl shooting for division one status it could be challenging mls um i think the big takeaway and harry just mentioned it yeah this is this tried and true european structure is nothing without promotion and relegation so I, I <laughs> it's an interesting way to set ourselves up for the future will this bring pro rel to north america maybe it might um it's hard <laughs> to say right now though yeah and that is one thing that they said that um they're not instituting pro rel right now but it does pave the way for it in the future between league one and the championship um, and, you know, if they made a push for it, then they have a good argument of saying, look, we have a structure that enables promotion and relegation, um, whereas MLS doesn't, obviously. Um, the problem is, like, why would I want San Antonio FC to be involved in ProRail at this point if they're already at the top? <laughs> like, why would any of the owners want that? Um, Anyway, that's going to be some sort of monetary kickbacks and stuff like that. But I mean, why would why would the teams that are at the top of the heap in in England and stuff want it either? But yeah, they did it for a hundred years. Well, that's true. (laughs) Maybe we're going to do it for the next hundred. I don't know. (laughs) If they started it in 2018, it'd be like there's been talk about the Super League and, and like all these leagues involving the richest clubs in Europe all playing together to specifically avoid the threat of relegation. Like. I, you're not going to find me on the pro rail bandwagon because I think it's, I think it's a cool concept if you're not a top team, but if you're already a top team, why would you, you have nothing to gain from except relegation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really like Josh Jackson's comment here on Periscope chat. Will they call the final, the championship championship? <laughs> Cause that's the thing. Like the championship in England doesn't have a playoffs as far as I know. Well, they have a playoffs, but it's for promotion. Um, it's going to be the championship final. Yeah, right. That's, that's got to be what it's going to be. I mean, that what we get in the Champions League final. It's going to be the the champion, the championship league final. I I'm never going to be able to explain <laughs> this to people that don't like soccer already. Like, oh, this is not a good way to bring in casual fans. Don't worry, it's the pinnacle of competition, Kyle. The pinnacle. Can we talk about how racist the logo description was? <laughs> we probably we should shouldn't. Show now. <laughs> we probably shouldn't go down that road. Anything else you want to it's talk about? It's not great. Before we call it a week. <laughs> no. We need to stop now before this goes to really bad places. Uh, well, speaking of going to really bad places, um, we are not going to have a show next week. Um, yeah. Because... I, I got know. I got married a year ago, and my wife would well, kill that was a me. Terrible transition. <laughs> Good job there. Uh, yeah, no, I got married a year ago, and my wife would kill me if I decided to podcast instead of uh, going to dinner with her that night. So there's not going to be a show next week. Sorry, guys. Going to kill me if she finds out I said that. <laughs> she doesn't listen. It's okay. I won't tell her. Maybe I will. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I'm just really bad at transitions. <laughs>
<laughs> now you've done it. Oh damn it! This is uh, gonna be the one episode she listens to too. So right. Some way, somehow, this is when she's not posting. To start this. listening. This is a uh, live exclusive. Uh, so yeah, no show next week um, because Larry is a lucky man, um, and because we couldn't make the schedule work any other night. So. Uh, we will be back in two weeks, hopefully, uh, to better news and to a last run for the regular season into the playoffs. Um, otherwise, it'll be our last episode of San Antonio. Well, either way, it'll be our last episode of San Antonio FC's regular season in two weeks. So, Hopefully, we'll come back with six points on the board and one more game against RGV left to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's the hope. Or we'll be statistically eliminated and we're just shit here. <laughs> Bullshit about our fantasy football teams. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> How about if if San Antonio is eliminated when we come back in two weeks, then I'll try to pull up some old interviews and, and we'll just have like a fun goof around show with, you know, whatever content we can get. And we'll try and make it as fun as we can. Sounds like a plan to me. Otherwise, we'll be talking about playoffs. So one way or another, it'll be fun. Two weeks, Thursday, October 11th. We'll see you. <laughs> see you Thursday, October 11th, nine o'clock on Twitter at TX Soccer Radio. You can follow us on social media at TX Soccer Radio, at Larry Leathers 87, and at Kyle underscore Mankey. Um, you can check out our BGN site at texassoccerradio.com and find a whole bunch of other podcasts that you might like if you like lower division soccer. Um, some of them cover league, the league that we do, I'm going to be honest. So. Thank you to our sponsor, Rubneck Scarves, official scarf supply on MLS, USL, and US Soccer. You can get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And a genuine thank you to the Beautiful Game Network for helping us do what we do. Um, and a genuine thank you to uh, Harry and Maximiliano and Josh and Sam um, and Aaron and everyone else who, who contributed to this episode besides us too. And uh, Michael as well. Uh, so thank you to all of you thank you to everyone listening on the podcast version and we will see you in two weeks it'll be a spooky Halloween episode